Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And uh, wow, what a week we've had, huh? <laughs> yeah, this has been yeah. the most packed story week in pretty much recent history. So, yeah. Yeah, we we didn't have an episode last week because it, we would have recorded it the day that story started. And I'm kind of glad that we didn't because the first couple of episodes came out and they were really a lot. And I was, yeah, it was a lot to go through. Uh, and the stories that came out today as of recording uh, kind of left me shell-shocked for most of the day as well. <laughs> so, like, i would kind of just been, like, buzzing with excitement to talk about the story um, ever since they dropped this morning. So, it's, yeah. uh, yeah. And I... I knew the preview card was coming as soon as I realized what was happening in the story. And then I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. I think it got posted like five minutes afterwards. I don't think anybody was really spoiled on that, but Mm-mm. we'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we want to dive right in? Uh, Yeah. All right. Let's go with episode one, Triumph of the Fleshless. It is good to be Elish Norn. Elish Norn is telling us about how wonderful it is to be in charge and have trapped planeswalkers that are going to be her prophets and harbingers to other planes to let them know and give them advance notice that they can just join the club, you know, whenever they're comfortable. <laughs> we got we got quite a group going here as is. Um, and she is just showing off her collection of completed planeswalkers and also attracts us there. Um, Shield. Not a planeswalker. Not a, yeah. just part of part of the part of the like entourage, but not a planeswalker. Gets to act like a planeswalker for five minutes while on a on a trip to another world. Um, but she is getting a little smack talk from rival Praetor Shieldred, and Shieldred keeps digging herself a hole and eventually Elish Norn calls for the order and Ajani executes her. So that is first major praetor death of this story, which may or may not become a theme. Who knows? And it was friendly fire to boot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, she's getting fed up with the other praetors encroaching on her territory and trying to make this invasion all about them when it's actually about her. It's her invasion. She's the one doing all no, the invading. No, Carrie, it's about Phyrexia. Oh, and yeah. they're just not, they're not on the same page as Phyrexia. And, yeah. you know, there's that's, this, that's the problem. There's correct interpretations of Phyrexia, and they happen to align with what I believe. So, Elish Norn. Um, Sounds a little real life right now. Yeah. <laughs> Elish Norn is shuttling off each of the walkers to their assigned task first to go is jace who doesn't even need her to say it he just reads elish norn's mind and says peace out and planes walks away um nissa is moving the realm breaker portals to show the different planes in question uh, tamio gets to go home for a little while to kamigawa um nahiri is tasked to go to zendikar where she is uh boasting about skyclaves and secrets hidden in there that can lead them to victory. Luca um, 
forgot he was here. He's going to Coria. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nobody has faith in this dude. Immediately no. upon his departure, they're all looking at each other like, yeah, he's he's not going to make it, but we'll hold out a little bit of hope. And she says, whether he dies there, then he wasn't worthy. If he succeeds, then he's brought the glory of Phyrexia to another plane. Good deal either way. Win-win situation. Um, Atraxa gets to go to New Capenna and is ordered to destroy all life there. They don't want anything to survive. Um, and Ajani is headed off to Theros where he is going to, um, you know, convert the gods a little bit, see if he can get some compilation going in Nyx. Um, Tamio shows a little bit of hesitation when talking about her mission with Kamigawa and Atraxa questioned her own assignment, and this has caused Norn to chastise both of them. So there seem to be a couple cracks appearing in the facade. Yeah, like, Tamio is, like, I don't She she's, like, gives off this idea that she's, like, a little <coughs> concerned about what she's about to do to Kamigawa. Yeah. Um, I also feel like Ajani is in that camp, but we haven't had that paid off yet so uncertain on whether that was a real vibe or just something i was reading into and it was <sighs> after mention of her family there too so that might have had a little bit to do with it as well yeah yeah so we're seeing some of the the planeswalkers and even atraxa like having a little bit of a break from phyrexia which is uh interesting it's interesting um we'll see how that plays out and later stories and also side stories speaking of which uh, we do have a side story for Luca on Akoria. We're not covering the side stories uh, until we're done with the main stories. So it'll be like a little while before we talk about them. But I have I have a rant about Luca to make. I want people to understand we do not hate Luca as his role in the story. Uh, we just think Luca's a fascist. And so that's that's different. I want people to understand. I like Luca. I like his character within Magic. Uh, but I hate Luca as the character. Just just want to clear that up. We'll get to that. Fun dude to hate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's story one. Do we want to just, like, keep going through the stories or do we want to, like, uh, talk about it a little bit more? I'm fine with hopping through. All right. Sure. So our next story is Holding Your Breath where we find uh, Chandra is tired of waiting, as is uh, her usual state of being. Um, they then hold up in Vest Manor, or a cabin at Vest Manor, while zombies are taking, par- taking care of repairs. And uh, she's taken it upon herself to try to mentor Ren in the uh, aspect of inner fire, as it were, which is interesting that Chandra, you know, finds herself in that role. It's something that, you know, she wish she could learn from Jaya, but, you know, Jaya's not here, so she has to roll with the punches herself, which is a noble pursuit. Not sure how well it's going to go, but we'll see. It's, it's, it's noble for her to try. Um, also waiting there with her is uh, Liliana and Vivian and Bryn, obviously. And uh, it's interesting because... Liliana is no longer Professor Onyx, obviously, and she's not super fond of waiting either. But 
things are going okay when uh, Kaito, Kai, and Tyvar arrive. And it's very blatantly evident when they show up that things have not gone well. Uh, Chandra's immediately on edge of the fact that only the three of them have come back instead of the rest of the strike force. And um, <sighs> Liliana's kind of in a triage mode and they're all trying to relay the how bad things went and like overemphasize like they could not have made it any more clear how bad things went um and they were ready to be off and going back to their own planes to get people prepared for the invasion because they know it's going to be rough but uh chandra is kind of upset at the fact that people aren't really willing to go back and to fight and you know, it's it's kind of rough to read because, you know, you, you kind of see where she's coming from, where she wants to go back and put it into this tree. But she wasn't there to see how just how awful things went. And they're trying to impress that upon her. And it's just not working because Chandra just wants to go back. Um, so Chandra rushes out and... Uh, runs into Ren, who uh, agrees they must go to Phyrexia. And I think even after, you know, hearing about the, the idea of the tree, I think Ren might have had a, a backup plan in store. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. But she listens to Chandra vent, kind of, and agrees that they need to go. And she thinks that she can reach out to Teferi using this tree. And, you know, they, they agree to Planeswalk and they go. Yeah, uh, there, there's also like a little tag at the end of the story that's pretty interesting that we definitely will get follow up on uh, later in this episode. The the mysterious force that's watching them talk to each other. Yeah, just a few yeah. watchers. Yep. Who knows who they are? Allegedly. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, so that's like a, an interesting thing that follows through on some of these episodes. Um, I do want to mention in... Uh, one of the most uh, kind of heartbreaking moments of this episode is when Liliana finds out that Jace isn't coming back. Um, and it kind of breaks her a little bit. It's like really like sad because they had a, they've had like a really, I, I guess the nicest way to put it is fraught relationship. Tumultuous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, I don't think there's any like romantic feelings at all. Hopefully between either of them, but like they've been through a lot together and they've had a long history. And Liliana is now having to face the fact that like she's lost Gideon and now she's also lost Jace, like the two pillars of the gate watch gone. So uh, pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. It puts into perspective, just like how impactful someone can be, even if you aren't with, in a relationship with them anymore, that you can still have a, lasting impact on their out their worldview and that that de definitely was true of jace and liliana and it, it i agree with chris that it definitely was kind of painful to read because you know it's they like jace was always willing to help liliana in her times of need if she just asked for help and that was true during um shadows over innistrad and it's just it's always nice to see that he did have a good impact on her, even though she's not really in a position to really help him that much right now. So episode three, Tamio um, reads the original Mirrodin 
uh, Dark Steel and Fifth Dawn trilogy to the entirety of Kamigawa. <laughs> Uh, no, she actually she actually starts back with Urza's saga. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, she goes a little bit further back than that. There is a story, and Tamiyo is reading it to Boseju on Kamigawa, and it is the story of Herexia and how it originally started, how it made its way to Mirrodin, how it took over Mirrodin, and how it has now arrived to invade the entire multiverse and make everything one. And the tree is becoming corrupted and splitting as Phyrexia continues to take hold, um, both with her magic and with the invasion force. Uh, Kaya has joined Kaido on Kamigawa to help fight off the invaders, but Tawashi is in ruins. They manage to save a child and his dog, but they know that they must stop Tamio if all of this is to end or even stabilize the damage that is being done to the city. Um, Kaido runs into Nashi, of course, because <laughs> why wouldn't this be a heart-wrenching story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember when Tezzeret was like, hey, little kid, don't go near your mom. She's evil. She will kill you. And then Nashi was like, sure. And then he just, like, the first thing he did was go to try and find his mom, who was evil and would kill him. Yeah, and he yeah. he knows that it's his mother up there. And he wants to try and get through to her. Um, when they reach Tamio, hovering where she is, um, she is momentarily distracted by Nashi before deciding to attack. Um, the Wanderer arrives on the back of Kyodai, and Tamio begins to attack her but is easily deflected. They face each other for a moment, but as Tamio unrolls a scroll, um, the Wanderer is given an opportunity to cut her down once and for all. And that is the death of Tamio. Um, and Tamio herself becomes a story, a saga, yeah. a failsafe version of herself, so that um, her story may live on after her death. Um, Nashi embraces it. Uh, the Wanderer explains that she saw Tamio holding back and was subtly asking for release. Um, and the final line is, there is a story of a protector in white. Yeah. So, so this this episode uses like a framing device when Tommy is like reading the story um, of Phyrexia. But then like after it's over, it shifts. And then it's kind of telling a different story. And we're not really sure what it is. But it does mention a protector in white. Don't know who that could be. I guess maybe the Wanderer. She usually wears white, right? So maybe. she showed up. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. There's allegedly. a feathered protector in white. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep um, narrowing it down. <laughs> so I do, I do love the moment in this story when, uh, like, the wanderer is explaining that to Kaito, she's like, "Did you should have seen that? Tamio was not trying to kill me. Yeah. Her attacks were going wide, um, and when she was unrolling that scroll, she was asking." Like, that was, like, her final plea to please kill me. Um, which is, like, just heart-wrenching that Tamio had some sort of, like, deep-down part of herself that was still there. Also that's, brings that's up been... that, like, yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah, like, it's been foreshadowed a little bit in Tamio. Um, and we've seen it a little bit in some of the other ones, too. Yeah, like, with Tezzeret and Ajani, when Ajani gives 
Tezzerite mm-hmm. his cloak to cover up or <laughs> take with him as he ventures into the inner core of the Fair Basilica. It is um, yeah. a question of how much self is remaining in there. And the answer is enough to throw a fight, which I suppose mm-hmm. is all that matters in these situations because first completed Planeswalker death. Yeah, this is the first one. Uh, then we had another side story with Luca, but we're going to get to that <laughs> later, <laughs> where turns out his inner self is still definitely there. Yeah. Luca, yeah. Still, he is still Luca through and through. Um, anyways, uh, episode three is like a real heartbreaker. That was I sent that one to a friend and was like, you, you got to have tissues with you when you read this one because you will cry. Um, I definitely cried a little bit. Uh, yeah, and then the wanderer crying and that art where she kill oh, God. Um, anyways, episode four, uh, this one's called beneath eyes unblinking. Uh, this is our vignette episode. So like throughout this whole time, people have been asking like, what's going on on all these other planes? What are all these other planes walkers up to? Well, guess what? You get to see three of them, uh, in one episode. And so the episode starts with Tyvar on Kaldheim and he has, uh, joined up with the elves, with Harold, his brother, uh, and they are fighting off Phyrexians. And then suddenly uh, an omen path just opens up and a giant torrent of water comes streaming out and a bunch of boats. And on the boats are all these different, like a coalition of all co- coalition, coalition of all the realms on Kaldheim. So like there's humans with with like giants and and stuff Um some undead warriors are part of it, which is really funny to me because <laughs> like, you know, it's just kind of a silly thought like, oh, yeah, even the zombie is on my side. Um, <laughs> and they're all in this boats and like Harold is like, hey, get this straight. All right. We are not friends. We will fight each other after this is over. But we have to, you know, finish this first. It's the same story we've always seen. Rise of the Eldrazi where all the... um different creatures had to team up because they face a greater threat and it's like yeah yeah and it happens afterwards you know it happens in eldritch moon too and i know it's kind of a it is like a standard of these sort of like worlds and conflict all have to brand join together to fight a bigger problem um that shit gets me every time though so like (laughs) I, I, i eat it up so like that's the thing is like this is a this is a reused like trope that shows up a lot in these kinds of stories, but it's it's good and that's why I like it. Um, it's a successful trope for a reason. Well, it's yeah, and it's also like it makes sense in the world because like that's kind of Kaldheim's thing is the elves are really antagonistic to like everyone else. Um, but point is is they're all joining together, and this uh, gives Tyvar a lot of hope. Um, there's this really really beautiful line in the story. Um, where like essentially Tyvar is explaining how he uh, he knew that like new Phyrexia had been like, as he says, planting seeds of doubt and fear deep within him, you know, with the oil and the changing of of his friends. Um, but this this true unity, Vix is an axe. And I love that line so much. It's so good. <laughs> Um, cause it's like, yeah, here it is. The unity of all of Kaldheim come together to fight for Exia. And it is, it is an ax cutting down the tree of doubt, but also realm breaker, which is also a tree. Um, so yeah, they go in, 
onto these boats and then the boats kind of ride into the cosmos and are kind of just floating through the air, uh, which is pretty incredible. Um, really beautiful thing. And they see like cosmos monsters, uh, some of which have been completed, which is uh, not good because those things are big. Um, I think also coma is one of them. It seems very likely. Yeah. Yeah. So not a good time for Cal time. Anyways, uh, next vignette. We cut over to we cut over to Kaladesh and uh, we're on Kaladesh and they have been preparing for invasion for a while because like Sahili knows what's up. Chandra knew what was up. Uh, Pia Nalar has joined up with Sahili after like they've been preparing Giripur for this invasion and it finally starts and they they rendezvous. Um, Sahili has created Dinobots to defend the city, which is like really cute because they're little robot dinosaurs and Pia's like, I've never seen anything like this. And you know, it's, this is a Watley Sahili thing. Um, a little bit of fan service is always appreciated in these kinds <laughs> of stories. Uh, but the, uh, Phyrexians are pretty strong and they are completing the little dinobots, uh, as they attack them. So, uh, Sahili and Pia realize that the focus of their attack is on the Aetherflux Reservoir and they start heading that way. Uh, and then Pia jumps onto a ship with another uh, pilot who's like this person who seems to have a name and uh, never heard of him before. Uh, and he's got a rickety old ship and he's like one of the old uh, renegades and he's a cool guy. Uh, and then he immediately gets killed. And yeah, <laughs> uh, Pia's ship that she is on starts kind of plummeting to the ground. Uh, so... We kind of end on a cliffhanger for Pia because we don't know what happens, but she's saying that she, whatever, she she's determined to have tea with Chandra next month, which is um, hopefully what will happen. Because I swear to God, if they kill off Pia Nalar, they can't. I'm, they, they can't stop killing off Chandra's f- mother figures. It's not yeah. fair. Yeah, they legally can't at this point, and um, <laughs> I don't know. It's. You've already done would, so much yeah. damage to Chandra over the past how many years? God, and so. there's more damage to happen in this story, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then another vignette uh, where we hop over to New Capenna. Uh, you know, a new Capenna. Um, oh <laughs> and we see Atraxa has, is invading. Uh, and she's just, like, raising the place to the ground. Uh, the, like... They are under orders to exterminate all life on here, but part of those orders also means like harvesting life. So like they're taking people's organs and like fleshy bits and bones and stuff. Uh, it's really gross. Um, and there's like a haze of halo everywhere, and Atraxa starts like destroying some angel statues, um, which are like causing her a, a minor existential crisis because uh, she's like, "Why do they think this is beautiful? This isn't beautiful. Phyrexia is beautiful." Um, and then she like through the Phyrexian grapevine uh, as they like complete some maestros, she learns about the museum. And part of her other mission here is to sort of like, I don't, so like Elish Norm was kind of like cagey about this, but I think Atrax is not actually supposed to be looking for the failed Phyrexian like ship that landed there, but Atraxa wants to find it. So she's like, hey, the museum might have information. And she goes to the museum and she runs into the the greatest enemy of all fascist uh, campaigns, which is art. Um, the art confuses her and enrages her. And she like is just destroying the museum as she goes through it until she finds at the back of the museum some Phyrexian artifacts, uh, including one that we saw in a previous story. 
this was an Easter egg that Kay threw into the story and confirmed on Twitter. Uh, at the end of this story, Atraxa finds a giant axe that is in the back, like a Phyrexian. It used to be part of like a Phyrexian's arm. Um, that same axe was used in her story, The Family Man from New Capenna, one of my favorite stories of like the last couple years. Uh, and it was used in an assassination that uh, Inhello did. So Wasn't that the cool walk little in Easter front egg. of a statue? Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyways, she sees that and she's like, oh, this is so ugly. These Phyrexians were terrible. Uh, and it makes her really upset. And she just starts leveling the plane. Uh, and then also we get some more of those watchers in the background who are just kind of like watching it. And one of them speaks and says, why not stop her? And the other one says, it is not yet time. Uh, and the visitor, we, we get an idea that one of these watchers is a visitor, apparently, uh, is is kind of upset. And the other one says, have faith. It's almost here. The end. You'll, not to, you'll know what to do when we've gotten there. So, um, yeah, these watchers, they're there. It's real weird. Don't know what's going on. Hope we get that figured out later in this episode. <laughs> Um, so the next story is Cathartic Reunion, where we visit upon Chandra more trauma. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much trauma for Chandra. I do, I do think it was secretly kind of funny to call this episode Cathartic Reunion when we know the artwork is called Traumatic Reunion. So Uh, Traumatic (laughs) Revelation. Or Revelation, yeah. 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 Uh, it's anything but, uh, Cathartic. So Chandra and Ren arrive on New Phyrexia, just as Koth and Malira disable the Planeswalker Scrambler, which is probably very useful because, um, can you imagine if they had teleported somewhere else, like the arena or somewhere? Not a good <laughs> look. Um, then they explain their plan to assault the base of the tree, and Koth says they have to help Orbrask, which is shocker, I know, but you know, he's been helping them subtly in his mysterious ways the entire time so i guess chandra's not too happy with the arrangement but you know she's uh she goes along with it um cough essentially launches them into the sky using his uh geomancy and uh they get up to the tree but are intercepted by nissa and hence and this is where we have our little quote-unquote cathartic reunion um nissa easily takes apart seven which is rip to a, a great one that that's kind of sad we haven't even like we just met seven like yeah right last year <laughs> like what, what? six had a, got to retire seven just has an untimely death not not a fan not a fan but uh uh nissa takes part seven and is trying to uh, trick Chandra into accepting Phyrexia into her life as her, uh, you know, new way of life. And uh, Chandra is not not about that life. And she kind of tries to blow things up and give Rin a chance to get to the tree, which... Uh, we're kind of left on the cliffhanger. It's it's kind of like I, I'm really not doing a great job of describing oh, yeah, this it's, because it's the most it, interpersonal it's, story. 
yet. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of descriptors that you just have to read. Like, it, I, I'm not doing this any justice because, like, there, there's a lot of small things that you have to read to, to really just get the full breadth of the story. And it's very traumatic for Chandra and, like, really personal. And it's touching and sad at the same time. It's, man... This is about as close as you can get to undoing um, the the tragedy that was that that book that will we go don't we don't un- mention it unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like we can we can talk a little. We have some time. We can talk a little bit about this episode in the sense of like how we felt about it because um, it was like Chandra and Nissa's relationship throughout their history has been a subject of a lot of like public discussion. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, it seemed very much like they were going to start dating at a certain point. There were some really big romantic vibes. Um, and of course, as we know, that did not happen for reasons that are mysterious to us. Um, but also like, that's just someone made a choice somewhere in the writing process to not have them like enter into a romantic relationship. Uh, but it doesn't undo everything that happened between them. Like they're not like retconning all of their, their history together and all of what was written about them uh, out of magic story. And so this story really does pull on that and go, Hey, like, don't forget that like these two characters were very close to each other and like Mm -hmm. shared a lot of time and a lot of like thoughts and like developed a relationship with each other that may not have become the romantic relationship that people thought it should uh, and it probably should have, um, but like it still was there. And so this episode really pulls on those heartstrings, and it's like, hey, remember how like Chandra would like talk to Nissa a lot, and Nissa would just kind of listen and listen, and like Nissa would sometimes share thoughts with Chandra. Like it was just they had like a really beautiful relationship, um, even if it wasn't the romantic one that people wanted. Um, and so I do love the fact that this this episode gives us sort of like a, a follow up and sort of a sort of an ending to all that um, because nothing like some closure. Yeah, because like Nissa, that's not Nissa in there. Yeah, it's not. And and Chandra is struggling to realize it that like Nissa Nissa is gone. She she tries. Nissa's like, join us. I miss you. And Chandra's like, I miss you too, but I can't. I can't do that. Like, that's not Nissa. Even if she has Yeah. It is very much one of those like, well, I simply would not be tempted by the dark side. And it's like, oh, but if <laughs> if a monster was wearing your best friend and ex's face and begging you to join them, and you still obviously had um an emotional connection to this person. How are you going to feel? Because it's not going to be neutral. It's not going to be neutral and let me eliminate this person right away. <laughs> like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a rough moment. Um, and we don't really get the like end result of this. I am fully expecting yes. <laughs> uh, as of time of this recording, uh, Chandra's going to have to kill Nissa at some point. Um, yeah. And it's Thanks, it's coming it. soon. Yeah. And that is, I feel like a lot of people latched onto that me as well when the art was 
shown of Chandra crying while casting the giant fireball, which kind of funny image contextless, but now that you probably know at least what's coming up, like, there's a reason these characters are crying in the arts. It's not, not good reasons, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting that to happen. I will be pleasantly surprised if it somehow is avoided at all costs, or, um, but Chandra's crying over something, so yeah, can't I imagine it's going to, like, just remain ambiguous. All of the completed walkers that have been in battle so far during the story have died, so I'm not holding my breath on that. I, I hope it happens. I hope Nissa can be saved, but it's not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it would be a little outside of story unsatisfying if the only people who get to survive from completion are like Nissa, Jason, Vraska. Like, that's the gate watch that got completed. <laughs> but, and also, uh, Jace's romantic interest. And it's just like, I don't know. It's seeming more or less and less likely that that is going to be a possibility coming out of this. But who knows? We still got, um, quite we a can, bit of story ahead yeah. of us. I don't yeah. know. Having Baraska be saved somehow, but Jace not would be an interesting storyline twist. But, Boom Comics. Sorry, that already, <laughs> that already happened in Boom Comics. Um, um. I, I, I think it would be a package deal. And as much as I want somebody to be mm -hmm. cured, um, we'll see. Well, we can we can speculate about that after we talk about the last episode we want to talk about in this episode. Cause oh, this one's that's not important. A, mm, we can so, look at it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, there's a lot. There's a lot hanging in the air here. And... Um, episode six so like if somehow you are listening to this podcast on god what day is this releasing what is the calendar the 27th yeah march 27th uh there's like maybe somewhere between four and 28 hours before all of the story is out i don't really know exactly what day uh the final bits are going to come out um if you're somehow listening and have not read episode six um and you have somehow not been spoiled by it. Stop listening right now. Go listen to episode six or go read episode six. Uh, then you can come back and listen. All right. You've had enough time. So um, they can't read that fast. <laughs> they can pause the podcast and come back. It's fine. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, so episode six is titled The Last to Leave. And this is the culmination of somewhere between like. 13 and 30 years of magic lore, depending on <laughs> who you ask. Um, this episode begins uh, where the other episode, where, where one of the episodes of one left off. Um, if you remember, the last time we saw Elspeth Terrell, she planes walked into the Blind Eternities going who knows where, holding an exploding Silex. Um, this story picks up with... Uh, someone looking at what appears to be a young girl next to a dead woman's body uh, in a dungeon cell as some monster lunges for her. And this person, she kills the monster and she realizes that she's been here before. And she goes, what if I, why am I thinking of this? And then she realizes like there's something going on here and a voice 
she goes and like comforts the little girl who she just saved. Um, and as she's talking to her, a voice starts speaking to her. Someone starts walking towards her and she realizes, oh my God, she's been here. This is the dungeon. This is Elspeth. And she wakes up from this moment and she realizes that she's sort of hanging in space and she has a choice to make as this other voice is speaking to her. Um, she starts seeing the planes that are being invaded. Someone is showing this to her. This mysterious other voice is showing her all of the planes of Phyrexia. She or that Phyrexia is invading. She sees uh Nukapina and she sees that it's just being decimated by Atraxa. She sees a cabin where someone's crying outside of it, and that's clearly Chandra at Vest Manor. Um, all of these planes are on fire, and this this voice is speaking to her, saying, "You have to make a choice of where to intervene." Um, and it shows her Atraxa destroying Capenna, and she's reminded, "Hey, that that could have been your home." She's shown Bant, where she sees a young child soldier trying to like save himself and gather up some armor and he finds a sigil and he's so excited because he has a sigil and she can choose Bant and then she realizes no this isn't right New Capenna that's not right that's not the right one and then she's shown what is probably the most heartbreaking scene of all which is Theros where even the gods themselves are being corrupted and, and completed and Daxos comes to her and speaks to her. Uh, suddenly, this is Daxos talking to her now, and Daxos is saying, yes, look, there's a Johnny. He has become a, a proselytizer for Phyrexia. He's converting the priests into Phyrexians, and their belief is then converting the gods. And it's terrible. It's a horrific moment where a Johnny is like forcing this poor woman to drink the glistening oil, uh, and he like kills a kid. It's terrifying. Um, Daxos is showing is like you can intervene here you can save them and Elspeth thinks like yes I would love to save them I would love to save Theros but I could see Daxos again but it's not the right place and she knows this and then she's shown there on New Phyrexia the world tree with Elish Norn standing there and then Chandra who's been captured who doesn't even have the strength to kneel they have Rin, who's sort of a like terrible shadow of what she used to be as she's been pulled from her tree. Um, there's completed planeswalkers, there's Jenga Taxius, there's Vorinclex. Uh, they pull Urabrask upwards and they kill Urabrask in front of them as Elish Norn is explaining, like, there can be no descent. And Elspeth knows I have to kill Elish Norn, and the voice says to her, Think about this. Think about what you're doing. You only have one opportunity to intervene. You have one moment. And she makes her think about it and she says, I have a story to tell you. And then this voice tells her the story of Sarah, which is kind of mind-blowing that this voice is telling her the story of Sarah and her realm. And she tells her this story and mentions to her that remember when you were a child, there was a goddess you worshipped whose name you were not allowed to speak. And it starts becoming kind of clear who this is. Uh, the story playing out in front of her in the world tree continues as as Elish Norn uh, kind of tortures some of these people. Um, and Elspeth has to decide when she's going to interact, when she's going to intervene. Uh, and finally, they've they've captured Koth and they've captured Malira. They have them there as well. And Elish Norn is like, you know what? It's time. 
Gengataxis, if you would please begin the process of completing these worthless grubs in front of me. And Gengataxis raises his claw and time sort of stops and Elspeth sees it. It's not Elish Norn. She sees very clearly Rin and Nyssa. Rin, who is looking at the tree, and Nyssa, who is there to stop her. And Elspeth realizes her job is not to kill Elish Norn. She needs to intervene to help Rin reach the tree. And so that's when this, this woman, this person who's been speaking to her, who came to her in visions of herself as a child and as her mother and as Daxos, and now as this beautiful woman who we know as Sarah, um, or at least appearing as Sarah, uh, says, all right, you've chosen your time. Fear is always the last thing to leave. You've slain it time and time again. Do not falter now. And at that moment, with Jingataxis' claws raised, he's bringing them down on Koth, and then Elspeth's sword is there to meet them. And this story fucking blew my mind. <laughs> it is just incredible. Everything has come together, and it's, yeah, just an incredible story. <laughs> I think it yeah. could have been better as like a quick time event. Where it's like you haven't pressed X yet. And it's like, <laughs> hey, press X to continue. Spam X to intervene. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, it is um, full circle on Elspeth. Elspeth concepted as the post-mending Sarah. Um, the person who is wandering and looking for the perfect place to call home. And is unsatisfied in every location, but where Sarah eventually gave up and devoted herself to the land, um, Elspeth gets to continue on in a second chance, um, little little angelic way. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually in this story yet. Um, it's not. So it's episode yeah. seven. Yeah, you've seen the card already if you're anywhere mm-hmm. online. But yeah, she gets yeah. she gets to be reborn as a Sarah Angel and well as an Archangel Elspeth. And it is I mean Jay did a whole thread on this that you can check out on Twitter yeah. regarding the Saren <laughs> Power Stone that was powering the weather light and how it got blew up in the time machine. So obviously it went somewhere and yeah. This is this is the fun way to end it because um, things were really stacking up against our against <laughs> our heroes for for the last uh, you know couple of months. Yeah, yeah. I do want to like so like we're not going to talk about this at length because like Jay has a thread. He also has a TikTok. He also has an, an article coming out because of course Jay is going to do that. Um, but we also are going to record an episode to talk about this more in depth. Um, because it is kind of like a big deal. Uh, I do want to point out a couple of really cool things um, about the story in particular. One of them is uh, this confirmed throughout the other previous stories who the Watcher was. And it was Elspeth and Sarah, apparently. And like Saren angels, or at least like the specters of them watching this play out, um, which was pretty cool. Um, and also like... Uh, just casually, Jinkatax or uh, not Jinkataxis, uh, Urabrask gets killed in the story. So there's another Praetor down. Yeah, I think like described as Another quartered, like just yeah. 
Yeah, actually yeah, killed. drawn and quartered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> um, and it sort of highlights that like Elspeth takes a moment and like seriously considers intervening on Theros. Like she really does consider like that might be the place she wants to go because of a Johnny and what's happening there, which highlights and like makes it clear what Elish Norn's plan was with a Johnny on Theros, which was Elish Norn figured that if Elspeth is not actually out of the picture, she will go to Theros. That's where she'll go to stop them. Elish Norn kind of predicts that idea, but she doesn't realize to what extent Elspeth is out of the picture and to what extent she's going to come back. So that was, if you think about it, a really good plan for Elish Norn. Um, and also they mentioned that they've um they've completed three of the gods on on Theros, and we've seen I one. Wanna, I want to know what the other two are. Yeah. So Heliod got got. Uh my Could have happened to a nicer person. Couldn't have happened to a nicer person. You know it's gonna um, be the worst though yeah. if three of them got got and we only get card for one. You know, oh. you know, there's going to be riots <sighs> in the streets. Yeah. But. Well, we do have at least one commander precon that is set on Theros with a completed oh, um, Burmaz. So we could get one in a commander set and there could be one in like the set booster exclusive cards or something, you know. So like we might only get Heliod in the main set, but we could get the other ones in other sets and stuff. We also haven't really gotten the Theros story outside of this little glimpse there by Elspeth. So if it has any, um, if it's pertinent to however they defeat Phyrexia, then um, hopefully we'll get another side story or main story that touches on there. But got a lot of loose ends to tie up. Yeah, yeah. If I had to guess, like, I would think it was Ifara since like it's mainly dominant like if i'm thinking about the phyrexians and how they're invading the populated areas i'm thinking about them converting the gods who are most closely related to specific metropolis so i'm thinking like maybe afara and maybe like mogus with the uh, minotaurs but yeah. i don't know it's yeah. that's my guess um my thought was like Afara would be a pretty easy one, and then like Karametra maybe would be another one I could see happening. Just because I'm thinking of like the gods that a Johnny would personally be like fair targeting, <laughs> you know. Um, but also we we don't even know because we'll find out. But we did get some really sick art of like uh, God, it's like it's playing on another art, but I don't know what the original art was off the top of my head of like one of the Theron priests like holding up a cup of. Phyrexian oil uh, as like they are also completed and covered in like the uh, ceramic sort of bone shards and there's Rome Breaker destroying a temple behind them. I've definitely seen that art before and I cannot remember what it card was it was. Story, wasn't it? Yeah, but like I've seen like it, the, it's like definitely based on an art that I've seen from Theros block. It's I not don't remember which one. Heliod's generosity. It's something similar though. Similar it's got framing. Heliod in the name. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not going to look it up and like edit it into the podcast or anything. Um, so. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm like definitely going to look it up and edit it into the podcast. Okay. 
<laughs> once I figure it out. Uh, hey, this is Chris. Uh, time of recording is Sunday night at 9.39 p.m. Uh, it is thunderstorming and uh, turns out made up the card art entirely in my mind. Doesn't exist. So uh, just just letting you know. Thanks. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. So that's the first six main story episodes. We kind of went through them quickly. They're all really beautifully written by K. Arsenault Rivera, who is uh, just a gift. There's just a, a gift little, to magic. A little audio teaser of the first story that I believe they posted on YouTube, as well as the mm-hmm. Magic Arena Twitter, maybe the main Magic Twitter. Can't be sure where they post these things these days. I'm not on there. I just see the stuff when it's shared to Discord. But <laughs> quite a few things to wrap up. We still have Realm Breaker, which is assumedly under control of Ren. But past that, we don't really know what the plan is besides like maybe try to retract it or do something to at least... Um, stem the flow of Phyrexians. We have Elishnorn herself, the two remaining Praetors <laughs> after Elishnorn, and countless thousands, maybe millions of Phyrexian invading forces, and the glistening oil itself. So um should be able to be wrapped up in the remaining six stories. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. Quite a quite a few loose ends to figure out. Um well, we talked about episode six, so there's still seven, eight, nine, and ten of the main story. Um, as of recording, seven has come out, and it's a baller episode, but we're going to save that for when we cover the rest of the main set. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of loose ends. There's a lot to still talk about. Um, and also, I do want to say, like, I'm okay if not everything gets covered. Um, I'm fine if we don't get a story about Ravnica. Oh personally. yeah, we're definitely getting one. There's no way. I know. Yeah, that's the worst like, part. Is like we're 100 percent getting one, but like, what's going to be the relevance of it? Because see, that's the thing is I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna get a story about Ravnica because I don't know if it's important. Yeah, like I want one. I think it would be really cool, but I'm also like perfectly okay if the, we don't. Yeah, the last yeah. major interplanar invasion. So. <laughs> So, like, Ravnica, I'd be fine if, like, we just maybe get, like, a glimpse of it as, like, a passing by thing. Um, we are we get, like, a reference to it when Kaya in the oh. uh, episode three says, like, yeah, I don't need to go to Ravnica because they've got Ral and uh, Teo. They mentioned Teo. Teo gets a shout out in Magic Story for the first time since Ooh. Forsaken. So, real happy about that. Um, but we also yeah. have, I forgot even, because... Why wouldn't I forget about at least one thing? Zelfir mm. is there. And also um, Karn just kind of being yeah. uh, disembodied oh, yeah. head the last time we see him in these Elspeth visions. So mm-hmm. I'm and, expecting... And Kof is carrying the rock that he's attached to. <laughs> it is uh, a lot. <sighs> yeah. And and Ren thinks you can get, communicate with Teferi via the tree, so... Yeah, I... Uh. I won't spoil Chris's theory on that, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll I'm, we'll talk. I don't want to. I don't want to go into it. I, if you're on the Discord, you can read my like long idea of what I think will <laughs> there happen. Have been a lot of fan um, theories, and only half of them are shit posts. <laughs> um, most of mine are. I I don't talk about. I don't, I don't say anything seriously. Um, but anyways, yeah, 
go uh go read uh my theory on discord of course you're gonna hear this on monday when it comes out rather than which by that point we'll already know so like who knows whatever might have a few hours yeah um there is yeah this comes out on monday there will probably be four stories remaining two for monday and two for tuesday so if you haven't read this set story um you have approximately 48 hours to catch up and catch the finale (laughs) when it happens live but if you just want to talk you just want to talk story or theory you can go to patreon.com slash the vorthos cast patreon.com slash vorthos cast which one uh i think it's the vorthos cast patreon.com slash the vorthos cast um and join at oh god i'm not gonna remember this oh my god okay it's a lorelei all right one dollar or three dollars so it's $1 a month gets you access to our Discord, which yes. is $12 a year, by the way. I just want to like point that out to people. Like It's very low amount. Uh, and then $3 a month gets you access to our live listen tier, where you get to listen to us record, which a bunch of people are doing tonight because uh, stories real hype. Pretty <laughs> exciting episode. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, join us there. Talk story, talk theory, talk Destiny 2 and um, Neo Muna. And everything yeah. that's going on there, because I think quite a few people in our Discord are Destiny 2 players. Shout out to Allison Lurs, who was former Magic, current Destiny person. But yeah, that's that's what's going on in our Discord lately. Any, let's go to final thoughts. Out of <laughs> yeah, order. we kind of skip final thoughts into the Patreon plug first. That's fine. Um, Brian, final thoughts. My final thought is that. Uh... Dropout is awesome. It's worth your subscription. That's all I can say. Like, I don't know how many times I need to say it. It's like it's funny. It's it's great for that that, that serotonin boost. It, it's chef's kiss. That's all I got. We were talking about it pre-show about all the episodes of Game Changer that we love. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think we're all subscribers to Dropout, and uh, you should be too. And if you don't want to subscribe, go find a friend who is a subscriber and ask if you can use their login for a little while. <laughs> it's totally cool. They, worth. they have endorsed it. They said it's fine. You can you can share logins for a little bit. Um, but it's like worth it. It's like six bucks a month or something like that. It's super cheap. Um, I love it. But my, my final thought is going to be... Uh, yeah, between this story and Destiny 2's current seasonal story, I'm like a little emotionally exhausted by my hobbies. Um, <laughs> Destiny 2 uh, also had a real sad week this past week uh, with some a major character death as a warning. Uh, it's incredible. The storytelling there is getting very, very good. I mean, like it's always been good, but it's like really good right now. Um, I'm really excited to see what Allison does on the team. So, yeah. Once again, final thought is destiny. <laughs> My final thought can also be destiny two related, but on a bad note, which is that I oh. think I'm zero for ten in playing Gambit ever since it's been reworked. You know, I was a big Gambit Prime enjoyer. I was a moderate Gambit enjoyer, but I am the worst invader you could possibly imagine, and. It makes me sad to do my my 10 bounties on three games every week <laughs> to go on that power grind. But, you know, I still do it because because it's Gambit and the Gambit man is funny. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I haven't played any Gambit this season. I need to get done on that. 
Oh, uh, that's that's for the best. I just need oh, it for man. my power level. Well, all thank right. you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast. <laughs>